All right, thank you, Brother Dean. And uh, turn your Bibles tonight, if you would, to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. And it's good to have each and every one of you here tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to preaching, my favorite place to preach. And I had a fun time this past weekend helping out a church up towards Cleveland. But, uh, boy, it's not like CBT, and I sure am glad to be back here. And I want to share some things with you tonight from the uh, Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. And uh, briefly, just a time of reflection tonight. And we are nearing the end of 2012, and we're looking back. And looking back now, is, is that's, that's what normally happens in the month of December. We begin to reflect somewhat on where we've come and what we've accomplished in this year. And, of course, uh, 11 months ago, we started out with a lot of hope and promise and resolutions. And many of those resolutions, at least the eating resolutions, didn't make it past the middle of January, of course. But, you know, I think we all had some goals and some hopes that we wanted for 2012. And now it's time to look back and reflect what has happened. What have you done? I think it's good to have goals, and I think it's good to strive for things. And uh, this time of year, you need to look back and reflect on, on what you've accomplished. And this past year, has uh, the Lord done some great things in your heart and life? Have you accomplished things? Have you done things for the Lord? And have you allowed the Lord to, to work in you and through you? Have you touched the lives of those around you? Or did you spend 2012 mostly doing only the things that mattered to you? And focusing only on things that brought you pleasure. And Psalm chapter 90, verse 9, the second part of the verse there, I want to share this with you. It says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And that's what I want to focus on tonight is the story of your life. Imagine with me, if you will, that your life is a story. That it is something that will be told to others. And in reality, that's the way it is. And every day you're adding to it. And I want you to imagine for just a minute that this book right here, this is the story of your life. Here it is. This is it. The story of your life. And each day, the actions that you have, the attitudes that you display, will be written in this book for everyone to see. And in many ways, we know that's what's going to happen. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So, we know that what we're doing is being recorded. And imagine for a minute that it's being recorded in this book, and each day the things that we do are written in. And so what about it, Christian? What have you been writing in the book of your life recently? You know, everything you do is being written down and recorded. There's nothing that you can do to hide. And that, that time that you spent recently, a, a, in the last few weeks, where you went out and you made a visit, to a, a follow-up visit, or an encouraging visit to someone, perhaps in your class or on your bus route, or as someone that you were asked to go visit, or someone that the Lord laid on your heart, and you went to their home, and you spent some time talking with them and encouraging them in the things of God. You know that when you did that, it was written down right here in this book. It was written down, but you know... There's some other things written in this book as well, and maybe that time in the past recent times where you've been watching that television show that's kind of your guilty pleasure, the one that you know you should not be watching, and, and you feel guilty every time you watch it, but you justify it to yourself, and you justify it to your wife, or to your husband, or to your parents, or to your children. You justify it as that it's, it's okay, despite the, the filthy language that's commonly displayed, the sinful attitudes that are always there, the rampant sensuality, and even the occasional blatant sexuality you find in that show. But, you know, as you watch that show, sitting there in your living room, it's being recorded in this book as well. Every bit of it. 
is being recorded. The fact that you were there watching that show that night. But, you know, also the time that you've spent in prayer recently. The time you spent in prayer for your spouse or your children, your loved ones, your Sunday school class, your junior church, uh, those that you've been reaching out to, some unsaved people that you know. The time that you spent down on your knees or maybe driving in the car to work or in the shower, wherever it was that you prayed. And you earnestly, you beg God to make a difference in their lives and to do something great with them and to change their hearts and possibly to save them from hell before it's too late. You know, that time that you spent praying for them, it was written down right here in this book. It's being recorded. The time that you're spending doing those things is being recorded. But not only that, what about that time that you spent, you know, in the last week, that 30 minutes you spent arguing with your spouse? And it got pretty loud and it got pretty heated and it got pretty... A few insults might have slipped out and uh, some name calling might have happened a little bit. And that 30 minutes that you spent and in the meantime, your kids are over in the corner and they're kind of cowering there and uh, alternately rolling their eyes at how ridiculous the argument is. And uh, sometimes, though, they're almost crying because it's getting kind of loud. And uh, sometimes they're, uh, well, all the time they're making notes of how you and your spouse are violating the very things that you told them never to do. Of course, though, it was over something really important, wasn't it? I mean, it was really crucial. This argument had to be done. The future of civilization was at stake. I mean, one of you left the dog out last night, and you got to find out whose fault it was. And, you gotta, and then, of course, it turns into a free-ranging discussion about women's rights and the role of men and women, husbands and wives. And Ephesians 5 is read in detail and at length, and different verses are analyzed and dissected. And, I mean, it's really, really important. And, and then, in the end, it all comes down to who wanted to get that stupid dog anyways, right? You'll notice I I talked about dogs because we don't have a dog and we'll never have a dog. So that's pretty safe for me to come up as a, uh, we would never argue about dogs. We would never, I mean, because we don't have a dog, praise the Lord. But you know, that entire argument was recorded right here in the book. It was recorded in the book of your life. Every bit of it was written down and will someday be replayed and, and discussed with you. And also though, you know, the time that you spent last week preparing your home for Thanksgiving. And you worked so hard to be hospitable. Maybe you were having some folks over and and you wanted to make sure that everything was just so. The house looked great and the food tasted great and smelled great. And you did that. Why? Because you want to make it something special for your family. And you want your children to grow up knowing that Thanksgiving and holidays are important to you and important to your family. And so you worked hard cooking and and cleaning and preparing and getting everything just so so your family would have a wonderful memory. And maybe some extended family or friends would come by and you could make it special for them as well. You know, all that time and that effort and that energy that you expended doing that, it's all in the book. It's all written down. All of that is written down. But not only that, of course, the secrets are in this book as well. A lot of secrets in, the, in this book that you think no one else knows about. And maybe, truly, no one else on this earth knows about. The, that late night TV show that you watch when you're, everyone else is in bed. Or that early morning internet session when no one's gotten up yet. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's written down. And uh, th- those activities behind closed doors that you think no one else knows about. And that gossip that you share with a friend in a, a private phone call. Or, I'm sorry, the, the prayer requests that you s- share with a friend in a private phone call. Or, it's all written down. Every bit of that is in the book. And those lustful thoughts that you never reveal to anybody else on this earth, they're in the book. They're all here. The story of your life is being written 
All that time that you spend working hard for your family and putting in those extra hours of work so that you can put a roof over their head and clothes on their back. and uh, the, the energy that you have to expend day after day and week after week when you see other people around you kind of taking the easy road and living off the government, uh, you know, and even sometimes uh, going further and defrauding and, and lying and cheating and just so they can get ahead. And, but you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep working hard because that's what I need to do. And, and you do that because your family needs you and they need it so they can have food on the table. Not only that, you want to display to your family what a real man does. That's recorded in the book. It's all here. It's all recorded in the book. But, but not only that, also the, the, the time maybe that, that you spend surfing Facebook endlessly and aimlessly. It's right here in the book. And uh, not only that, but endlessly rechecking your fantasy football team, making your lineup perfect. I mean, come on, guys. It's playoff time. We've got to get it right now, don't we? And, man, that time that you spend day after day checking it and checking it and checking it again. It's all recorded right here in the book. It's here, and not only that, but, you know, your, that new video game came out, and, you know, all their friends and the online sites, they all said this game takes over a month to beat, and it takes over 100 hours to beat, but somehow you managed to beat it in two and a half weeks, and it only took you 42 hours. I mean, you got it going on, man, but that's all in the book. All of that that you're doing is in the book, and not only that, but how some of, some of you maybe update your Twitter feed every five minutes, because no doubt... One of the 700 people that you follow just expounded some great, powerful wisdom. And the three and four television shows that you watch every night or the two or three basketball and football games you watch every night or all that time you spent enjoying that hobby away from your family, it's all recorded in the book. It's all here. Maybe the, the time that you simply spend being there for friends, family, loved ones who are going through difficulties and hard times. And maybe you don't even spend a lot of time counseling them or fixing their problems, so to speak, but you're just there giving them a shoulder to to, to cry on. It's recorded in the book. And the time that you spend complaining about your boss to your spouse and then the time you spend complaining about your spouse to your friends and the time you spend complaining about your friends to your coworkers and the time you spend complaining about your coworkers to your boss and this cycle of complaining that you spend hours on every week, it's all recorded in the book. It's all here. The book of your life is, is continually being written each and every day. And uh, this time that you spend loving your spouse the way God tells you to, selflessly and sacrificially. And the time that you spend with your children, it's all in the book. All of that's in the book. Sometimes the exciting things that you do and the great places you go with your kids are in the book. But also just the simple things, the 30-minute tickle fight to the death that you have before bed. That's in the book as well. It's all in the book. Everything that you do in your life is going to be written here. Day after day. Page after page is going to be written. And what is in your book tonight? What did you write in your book in 2012? What's there? Uh, let me give you four things, that I, four important facts I want you to understand about your book. I don't know if I'm going to keep carrying this around the whole message. I might, I might not. I don't know. Four important facts about your book, the book of your life that's being written. Four things I want you to understand. Number one, there are no rewrites. Not one. Your book has no editor to go back and smooth over a few things and gloss over a few facts and rewrite a few things. You know, there's, there's no undo button or backspace key. Once it's written, it cannot be unwritten. It cannot be changed. You might want to think about that before we engage in some of the things that we do in our lives. You cannot change what's written in your book. Ever. Once it's there, it will be there forever. Written in indelible ink. 
What have you written this week? Uh, are there some things that you wish, just like any one of us, that we wish we could go back and change and say, oh, I just wish I had never said that. I wish I had never done that. You know, once you speak a word, you can never unspeak it. Uh, once you post certain things on the internet, you can't, you can't unpost them. You can try to delete them, but somebody saw it. It's the same way with the book of your life. Once it's written, it cannot be changed. Not only that, uh, number one, there's no rewrites. Number two, you can only control your actions. You can only control your actions. Keep that in mind. You can't control what other people do. You know, in a, in a year's time, maybe in 2013, or maybe it already happened to you in 2012, you know, jobs can disappear all of a sudden. Health may come and go. Tragedies may sneak up on you. You can't control those things. You never know when those things are going to happen, when those difficulties are going to jump into your life, and all of a sudden you're going to be left hanging, and you're going to be left wondering, and you're going to be left wishing that things hadn't happened the way they did. There's nothing that you can ever do about that. You cannot control your circumstances. You can only control your response to the circumstances. That's all you can do. If you remember a message a couple years ago we had on a big day from Dan Martin, and simply the, the theme and the point of his message was you can either be a victim or a victor. So many people go through life, well, it's not my fault, my life's a mess, it's not my fault, I struggle with things, it's not my fault, I'm going through such a hard time because of the circumstances that I've had. My family was this, and my mom and dad did this to me, and I, I, I encountered this health problem, and I had this situation, and it's not fair, and I don't understand it, and they live their life with that victim mentality of somebody come and help me, because I don't know what else to do. But yet, how many examples do we have, many right here in our own church, of people who've come through extremely difficult circumstances and horrible tragedies, and yet the Lord has given them victory over it? That's a mindset that you make. As you're going through the story of your life and the, the, the book of your life is being written out, you can't, you, you can't change what's going to happen. You think those people who live up in New York City on the East Coast, all those places that just got hit by Hurricane Sandy, they could not control that hurricane. Nothing they could do about it. They can only control their response to it. No doubt there are hundreds and thousands up there who are using Hurricane, Candy, Hurricane Sandy now as basically an excuse to not have a job and just rely on the government. And they got their hand out all the time. And hey, those people, many of them need help. And I'm thankful we have government programs that can help people that go through tragedies. But you know what? I know a lot of people up there who've used this as a stepping stone to something greater. And they say, God can give us victory over this. There's a church up there, a guy I follow on Twitter, at Victory Baptist Church in the Bronx, who was founded just a couple years ago. His church was completely destroyed by Hurricane Sandy. Uh, they posted a video last night. I mean, it was just gutted, completely gutted, nothing they could do. But you know what? Within 10 days, had a brand new church building, outfitted, beautiful, perfect. And on the video, he said, Hurricane Sandy was the, the worst thing, the most tragic thing that ever happened. No, he said it was the best thing that ever happened to our church. It brought their people together. And it gave them renewed focus and purpose for life. And now the church is excited and ready to move forward. And boy, there's somebody who's taken the circumstances that they were given that they can't control and using it to gain victory and get something great from it. You can do the same. I don't know what your circumstances are. Not all of you. But I know that no matter what it is, God wants to give you victory over it. Not only that, number three, not only that, each day is a blank page. Each day is a blank page. You know, every one of us has mistakes in our past. Every one of us has things that are tragic. Every day that, uh, every one of us has some things that, man, we wish we had done better. Man, I guarantee you, every one of us in here can look back at the last week, last month, last year and say, man, why did I do that? I wish I hadn't done that. 
I wish I had done that. But you know what? That's the past. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Every day you get a brand new blank page for you to write on. I'm so thankful at Lamentations, the Bible says that about the mercies of God that they are new every morning. And I, I know God is disappointed with some things I've done in the past. And I know he's disappointed with some things that you've done in the past. But I'm so thankful that his mercy is new every day. And every day he gives me the opportunity to live for him. Every day he gives you the opportunity to start over. Man, yesterday maybe it was a bad day and last week. And maybe 2012 was horrible. But I'm telling you, today is a new day and tomorrow is a new day. And the story of tomorrow has not been written yet. It has not been written. God has something amazing for each and every one of you that he wants to write on the story of your life. And tomorrow the page is completely blank. You don't know what's written there. You have no idea. Don't allow other people to write that story for you. It is a blank page just waiting for God to do something great in it. Let him do that. Number four, not only there are no rewrites. Number two, you can only control your actions. Number three, each day is a blank page. But number four, your book will end. Your book will end. Look at Psalm chapter 90, verse 10 there. It says, The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength, they'd be fourscore years. I don't know, maybe you don't know what score means, but that says the days of our years are 70 years, or maybe by reason of strength they're 80 years. It goes on to say, Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You know, your book will end. Your story will end. And not only that, but you have no idea when it will be. We will fly away. You know what? You need to understand something. Each book is different in size. Some books are thick. Some are thin. Some are long. Some are short. Your book may have just begun or it may be about to close. You may be less than halfway through your book. Or you might be in the last chapter. You might be enjoying the first chapter of the story of your life, and you may never get another chapter. That may be the only chapter you ever write. You don't know. You have no idea. I would like to think that for, for many of us in here, we'd live to a ripe old age, but we don't know that. You know, wouldn't it be great, <clears throat> and I, maybe, maybe you disagree, but wouldn't it be great if we could know how much time we have left? Wouldn't that be kind of cool if we knew how much time we have left? We'd think, oh, then we could focus our lives and we could really get, get into it. But I think sometimes if we knew we had 30 years left, then we would just waste more time today. I don't know if that'd be a good thing or not, but I wonder what that would be like if we had like an expiration date on us somewhere. You know, a, a sell-by date. And I know the Lord has ways of uh, giving us, uh, letting us know our expiration dates might be coming up a little sooner. You know, we get a little, uh, little bulge around the middle and our bones get a little brittle and our hair gets a little gray or disappears altogether. I know how that is, but we don't have that. We don't have the luxury of knowing when our day is going to be over or when our story is going to end. We have to live each and every day as if it could be our last. We have to. I mean, wouldn't you like the opportunity someday if you had an, an autobiographer you had somebody who was, or it wouldn't be an autobiography, if you had a biographer, somebody who's, after you passed from the scene, somebody's writing the story of your life, wouldn't you like the opportunity to, to craft the last page of that book, uh, the last chapter, and say, this is, maybe, maybe they had some struggles along the way, and maybe they had some difficulties, and they didn't always go the right route, but at the end, they got everything nailed down perfect. I mean, it was awesome at the end. Wouldn't you like to have that opportunity to make sure that you finished well? I'm telling you, we don't have the opportunity to write that biography. 
Our story is being written each and every day. We have to live each and every day as if it could be the final chapter. Each and every day might be the last page of the story of our life. So how are you living it? If this was the last day of your life, how'd you do? Did you live your life uh, the way that God would have you? Or was it centered on yourself? You know, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 tells us to redeem the time. God tells us to make the most of every minute, to make every moment count in our life. Each day is precious. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. And, uh, you know, I've been convicted lately a little bit that there are some areas of my life where I waste time. My wife and I work very hard not to waste time. We try to make moments count in our lives, but... I've been convicted lately there's some areas that I've been allowing just to sort of slip through my fingers and I haven't been focusing on it. I want to give you three ways tonight. Three ways to make your life count. All right, I'm going to give you three things. Three ways to make your life count. Number one, number one, you need to realize that time belongs to God. Time belongs to God. And there's an old saying that says yesterday is the past, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And that's very true in many ways. I believe time is a gift from God. But you know what? If we're talking about gifts from God, not all gifts are the same. Okay? Let me give you two categories. Here's here's one, salvation. Now, that is a free gift. It is freely given to everybody. That's wonderful. There are no strings attached to it. You don't have to do anything but just accept it by grace through faith. That's all you have to do. Man, you just, you just accept salvation, and, and we tell people that. I, we say, now, if you get saved, you just accept it by faith. You don't have to go to church every day the rest of your life. You don't have to give lots of money to the church. You don't have to do those things to get saved. Now, God wants you to, but you don't have to. Salvation is a free gift. But then there's spiritual gifts. Now, God gives spiritual gifts to everybody, too, doesn't he? But, you know, that's not so much of a free gift. Follow me for a minute. If God gives you a spiritual gift, and let's say your spiritual gift is the gift of organization, or it's the, maybe you, God gives you an amazing talent in music. Well, do you have the, free, is that a free gift that you can do anything you want with? Not necessarily. God does not uh, just give you that gift for you to go out and just use it for yourself and make yourself rich and famous and powerful. No, God says, I'm giving you this gift, but it's a talent that I want you to be a steward over. And so you need to take this gift that I've given you, and you need, you need to use it for God's glory. That's what you need to do. And you know what? Time falls into that category. It's not a free gift. God owns all of our time. It is God's time. And you know how sometimes we say, yeah, you know, it's my time, or don't waste my time. Well, that's fine. I've, I'm sure I've said those things, but it's not my time, and it's not your time. It is God's time. And God has allowed us to have a certain amount of time here on earth, but it's still his time. So what are you doing with God's time? What are you doing with God's time? And uh, are you using it for God or are you using it for yourself? Remember that. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's time. And when he gives us that gift, it's with a full expectation that we are going to do something for God. We're going to use that to do something for God. And it's the principle of being a steward. Of being a steward. If you can picture the, uh, the parable of the, the, the stewards in the New Testament. When uh, the stewards were given different talents that God gave them. And some immediately went out and they used it to do what? For themselves? No. They went out and they tried to increase it and do something great with it for their master. There's one steward who went and hid it in the backyard. God was not pleased with that steward, was he? What are you doing with the 
the time that you have been given. What are you doing with the time that you've been given in your life? Are you being a good steward of it? Are you using it for the things that God would have you use it for? Are you doing it for, using it for the things that you would have? It's not your time. It's God's time. Not only that, number one, realize time belongs to God. But then number two, invest time in eternal things. Invest time in eternal things. And we spend so much time on things that have no eternal value. We really do. We spend so much time doing things that have no eternal value whatsoever. And uh, my, my son, who's asleep now, I think, he's really into this message. And uh, he is, uh, just now, this year, really kind of getting into sports. And I'm excited about that. And uh, he really likes basketball. He likes football. He watched on TV. And he, he's kind of getting to know the Browns and the Cavs. The poor kid. I'm just torturing him. I don't know. <laughs> what a miserable life he's going to have, just like mine, right? And so he's getting to know those things. He's getting to like it. He wants to watch it. I mean, we'll be watching Friday night. Kent State plays for their first ever MAC title. And I mean, those things are exciting to him now. And I'm glad because that's important to me as a father. You, as a father, you want to have things you can connect with your children with. And I've always connected with my dad. We have been very close for many years. And one big reason is because we can connect through sports. That's a great thing. And I want my son to do that. I didn't try to force him into it. I mean, well, to a point, I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I did. I guess I did. And, uh, but, but it's a wonderful thing. And, but at the same time, I don't have time to spend lots of time watching games with him. If I watch it, we watch it fast. But one thing I realize is if, I don't know how else to say it, but if I'm watching football by myself, it really has no eternal value whatsoever. I can, if I'm watching it with my son, now that's, that's great. I have a great time of bonding to a point. Now six straight hours of it I think would be a little overkill. But you know what? If I'm watching it by myself, it really has no eternal value, does it? I mean, how could it? I mean, it's just something. I could just read a score later, couldn't I? I could just, you know, find out what happened later on. And so just watch myself. It doesn't really have any eternal value. It really doesn't. And as you begin to look at things that you do in your life, is there eternal value attached to it? Now, let me say this. I understand. I understand that many of us in here work hard. We really do. We, we work hard. And in a sense, I, I think for, for a man who's out all day working, and uh, many of you have uh, jobs that are uh, filled with physical labor, and you're out, you're working hard, and you're lifting, and you're pulling, and you're driving, and you're doing all sorts of things all day long. You're on your feet, and when you get home, you just want to sit down and relax. I understand that. I really do, and I understand many of you, many women, and many of you women in here, you work as well, and you're working all day long, and you're out in the workforce, you, you want to come home and relax, and man, those of you ladies who are, who are home, and, and taking care of the house, I mean, you know, all those diapers that you change, and all of those uh, floors that you have to mop, and all of those rooms you have to clean up, and all the times you've got to handle a screaming baby, and feed the kids, and clothe the kids, all those things, I understand, you get the kids in bed, and you just say, I just want to relax a little bit. I totally understand that. And, and I think you deserve that. And I think I deserve that sometimes, to sit down and, and watch a game for a few minutes. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, the United States is not filled with people who work all day long and then sit down and watch a show for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. That's not it. The national average for adults is like four hours. And so if you're telling me that you as a husband or you as a wife deserve after a long day of work to sit down and watch television for three and a half to four hours, I've got to disagree with you. If you're telling me that you deserve to sit down and, and look at Facebook or Twitter 
for three and four hours and surf the web and just chill out and then play video games and do all for three and four hours? I think you're missing the point about eternal value. How could that be true? How could it possibly be true? And I understand, Americans do it. I mean, that's what the United States does. And, and we've earned this free time. And, and we have done this because we're prosperous. And we, we have a lot of things. In, and we say, we deserve that. And hey, every once in a while, I don't mind getting down and doing stuff like that. But if you're telling me that four or five or six or seven days of the week, you're watching three and four hours of television and internet and all these things, I'm telling you, you are wasting your time. You are not investing your time in things that have eternal value. I mean, I, I, don't really, I don't really watch a lot of television shows. I like to watch sports, but uh, most other television shows bore me or horrify me, uh, one of the two. And, uh, but for us as Americans to sit and watch them hour after hour after hour, are you telling me there's nothing else that you can do that has eternal value? There's not someone that you could call to be a blessing to. And there's not someone that you couldn't read your Bible a little longer. And you couldn't make a difference in someone's life. You couldn't bake some cookies for your neighbor. I understand you want to take a break at night. I'm all about that. But a four-hour break at night, not so much. You need to be very careful sometimes and look at your life and, and, and evaluate your priorities. And, and, and what are you doing? Are you spending too much time on things that will have no value in eternity? Think about that. We're investing so much time. I, I'm sorry. I know many of you love a lot of shows, and I love football, and I love fantasy football, but I guarantee you that when I get to heaven, I will not be talking about fantasy football. I will not be up there talking to the Apostle Paul and saying, expressing my frustrations about Chris Johnson's limitations as a running back the last two years. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to spend my time doing that. Nor will I be up in heaven discussing those sitcoms that I watched and I followed so religiously and I was so passionate about. And I will not be up in heaven sharing the details about all of my friends on Facebook and proudly talking about how I had the most followers on Twitter of all of my friends. That will not be discussed in heaven. I know that. So why do we spend so much time on it here on earth? Why do we focus on that so much? Listen, that's a battle that every family has to face. And every individual has to face in their Christian walk with God. And, and for some of you, you may spend a little more time than others. And that may be just fine with you and just fine with God. And you're still doing a lot of great things. I, I'm not here tonight to, to tell you exactly how much time you should spend or shouldn't spend. But I can guarantee you that four hours a night is ridiculous. And you know it as well as I do. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in here who would like to say, I have a counterpoint, Brother Hamilton, and come up here and explain to me how it's a good thing to spend that much time. I know you don't think that. So why do we do it? Why do we spend so much time investing in earthly things rather than eternal things? Number three, not only do we need to realize time belongs to God, and we need to invest time in eternal things, but number three, as we are thinking of making our life count, we need to treasure every moment. Treasure every moment. You know, right now, I'm in the stage of my life, I just turned 32, and I've got four kids, ages, eight, you know, one to eight, basically, and it's a, it's a wonderful stage of life. It's great. I love it. But you know what? Uh, on occasion, I have to uh, change a diaper, and I don't, like, get excited about it. You know, that's a stage, a particular part of my life that I'll be glad to get past. And, and there are times when I have a, a very young child who wakes up in the middle of the night and, and is sick, and we've got to take care of them, and we've got to do things like, you know, clean up a big mess that they made in their bed and stuff like that. That's not something that I get excited about. I, I don't get thrilled about that. I, I don't necessarily, like, 
you know, jump for joy every time I have to brush my kids' teeth at night. That's not something I'm excited about. I'll look forward to getting past some of those things, but how foolish it would be of me not to treasure the time that I have in this stage of life. I will never get it back. I'll never get it back. My kids will only be young, this young, for just a little while. And I think already I have an eight-year-old daughter. I mean, already she's eight. And she can basically take care of herself and just about everything. I, she can't quite iron yet. But uh, other than that, I mean, she can really, and we, she's, she's vacuuming and she's helping with dishes. And she's, I mean, I've already got Lucas completely, tra- almost completely trained on the garbage. If it's a little heavy, I have to help him. But man, I don't really have to ever do garbage again. I am excited about that. That's a wonderful thing. But you know what? I need to treasure this stage. And you know what? I want to encourage you, no matter what stage of life you're in, so many teenagers spend their teen years saying, oh, if I was just a little older, I didn't have to listen to my parents, I didn't have to listen to my teachers, and I could have some freedom. Don't do that. Treasure the time you have as a young person. You will never have it back. So many single people, when they're in their 20s and uh, getting in their 20s and they're not quite married yet, and they, all they want to do is just say, I just can't wait till I get married and I get a wife and I can man, get going in my life or I can get married, I can have a husband and all that. Don't do that. Treasure the time that you have. It is short, and soon you'll be married, and that's it. You'll never have those single days back again. Some young couples, they get married, they want to jump right into having kids, and and if if you do, that's up to you, but man, I look back, and the days before we had kids was wonderful. That was a a great stage of life that we had, and and I think of many people, I hear them complaining when they have, they, they get past, you know, when they're in my stage, and how they just can't wait until they don't have to deal with diapers and deal with all that stuff anymore. But then as soon as their kids get older, and then they're teenagers, and all they talk about is how, oh, I don't know what happened to these evil kids. I just remember when they were younger. I loved it when they were younger. I mean, they were all, they were so wonderful. Wait, you were complaining when they were younger, and now you're complaining when they're teenagers. And then you say, I just can't wait till they're older, and they get out of my house. I don't have to deal with them anymore. (laughs) Then they get out of your house, and you're complaining because you have an empty nest. And you're devastated. I don't have any kids at home. No one to take care of. I have no purpose in life. And enjoy every stage, no matter what it is. When your kids are gone, enjoy that stage. And use every stage as an opportunity. And if your kids are gone, you have an opportunity to really make a difference in the lives of others and to mentor them and to help them and to love them. And man, it doesn't matter. Every stage of life, you have an opportunity to do something great. God has, will bring people into your life that you can minister to and impact. Treasure every moment. Realize time belongs to God. Invest time in eternal things. Treasure every moment. And uh, let's have a little audience participation real quick, okay? You have to raise your hand. You cannot yell it out, okay? We're not barbarians around here. <laughs> Psalm chapter 90. Who wrote Psalm chapter 90? Somebody, Mr. Vitarell. Moses. Very good. That was very fast. Good job. And absolutely right. It was written by Moses. He didn't write too many psalms. It wasn't like David. He didn't write too many. But it seems clear that this psalm was written after God judged the Israelites there in the wilderness. The sin of unbelief and the sin of constant murmuring and the sin of just complete discouragement and disillusionment with God. And they were sentenced to death. Everyone in the nation who was 20 years and older, they were sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until they died off and a new generation could go into the promised land. An entire generation of Israelites died in the wilderness. You wonder why he said things like, 
In verse 9, we spend our years as a tale is told. And in verse 10, he says, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. The despair that he had in his heart as he realized that the people's sin was going to keep them out of the promised land. How sad that was to think of this a group of people who were just a few miles, just a few days away from the promised land, the beautiful place that God had promised them. And because of their sin, they never reached it. And they wandered and they wandered and they wandered. Now, of course, they still had responsibilities to raise children and to protect themselves and <clears throat> to go out and find food every day. They had all those things and they still did them. But you think of the hopelessness that they would have. For some of those adults, a man 30 years old, a woman 30 years old, how hopeless it would be. They were almost to the promised land, but then they never got there because of their sin. And condemned to wander for 40 years till they died. How hopeless, but how sad and tragic it is that many Christians live their lives the same way. The same way, and the book of their life is, is being written day after day after day, and yet... There's nothing to put there, nothing helpful. They're just wandering, hopelessly, aimlessly wandering, not accomplishing anything for God, not doing the great things that God had planned for them in their lives, just wandering, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, an entire generation. How sad it would be if some of us in here, if that was true of us. Do you know that each and every day there's 24 hours? And that is 100% true whether you are a young person, whether you're a young adult, whether you're a middle-aged adult, you're an older adult. Every single one of you has the same page to fill. It's blank. It's completely blank. And what are you going to write on it? Is there going to be another day of wandering and hopelessness in the wilderness with nothing going on? Or is it going to fulfill God's plan for your life? A blank page just waiting to be filled. We're looking back at 2012. What have you written? What have you written in the book of your life that that year? And what's 2013 going to bring? Tomorrow's a new day. Look down with me just a few verses as I close. Look at verse 12. Moses says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Listen, are you numbering your days tonight? Are you? Are you just sort of coasting and floating, aimlessly going through life? Your life is a story. What are you writing? Let me have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please.